If I were to describe Stone Creek Church in one word, it would probably be the word safe. They made our entire family feel safe over the past few years. I really loved that I felt at home, that my kids had a place where they felt at home, and that Stephen was speaking directly to me every Sunday. Something I really love about Stone Creek is just the passion for the students. Everyone's just, just pouring into the youth. Stone Creek is my second home, my second family people that I can always go to. I couldn't even imagine what life would have been without the people in Stone Creek. It's amazing to know that there's someone who actually cares about you, that, that honestly, these are people that are really willing to walk with you toe-to-toe -to -toe and do life with you. That refining period is hard, and it hurts, and the suffering is hard. But in the end, he's going to give you something that, that, that no one can take away. Our faith would not be the same if it weren't for our, that experience of, of trusting him. To be able to share that story is pretty amazing. When you're going through tragedies and you feel alone, it's suffocation. I felt I was suffocating. I'm crying at the table thinking, you know, what did I do wrong from a, from a parenting style? What did I do wrong from a husband style? I decided that was it. I'm done. I'm giving up. I can't do this anymore. My dad has been just absent since I was 10 years old. Um, I overdosed, I think, two or three times. I had a family of gangbangers and criminals. I was getting a divorce, and I didn't know who to tell. And I was like, what am I going to do with a brand new baby and two teenagers by myself? I had $23 in the bank. I need help. I just, I can't do it. I, I need, I need support. This diagnosis stopped our world and nothing mattered. And she answered the phone and asked if, if everything was okay. She said, no, it's Reagan. And I said, um, is the ambulance coming? And she said, no, we don't need an ambulance. He's already gone. How do we go beyond this moment in time? Without Stone Creek, my family would not have moved beyond December 14th, 2013. So we went through this journey and sadly in 2012, we lost Lily to cancer. The celebration of life service that took place at Stone Creek was unbelievable. There was 2,500 people with candles lining the driveway that is the entrance to Stone Creek Church. And it was the most beautiful picture I've ever seen in my life of people who care and love, and that's Stone Creek. If we needed someone to sit and pray with us after church, if we needed someone to come to our house, and hold our hand. They, they did it. They did it all. 
What drew me to Stone Creek was um, my best friend Svenja invited me. My neighbor just keeps coming up to me offering, hey, there's a great church in the area. All the people that said hi to me when I first walked in, that was awesome to me because I'm such an outgoing person. But it was everybody that loved on me, that cared about me, that called. It wasn't a week that went by that somebody didn't call and say, hey, what are you doing? Where do you need help? And when you're, you're, you're feeling alone and you feel like you're drowning, you feel like you're suffocating, and somebody shows up and says, I'm here, I'm gonna help you, you take a breath. I didn't know that I can get that from people at church. This group of people show up at my door. They came in, it was dark, I had my, my lights off because I was trying to save energy because my bills were soon. They said, we want to pray with you and we have gifts for you. The people there were so Jesus-driven and they spoke over my life. I meant to be here living for a purpose, for a reason, and that he has so much waiting for me in my future. It would have been so much harder if they wouldn't have been here to help show us that God was trying to help us survive this and lead us past this moment in time and that he would still bless us with good moments in time. Those are my prayer people and that's who we count on and rely on and they were right in there with us and in the battle fighting for my child's um, relationship with God. And for me, getting connected with other men, it was just amazing. Being around brothers that actually like are on fire for God taught me exactly what it means to, to do life with someone. No matter what's going on in my life, no matter where I'm at in life, like they're there. They had planned this huge baby shower and I literally had everything a baby needs for the first two years of their life. It was nothing that I had to buy and they had this huge basket of breakfast and gift cards and things for the kids. And I'm telling you, at that moment, I remembered that God was still there. Stone Creek shaped my understanding what it means to love the Lord, what it means to know how to have a relationship with God. At the pause retreat that Stone Creek has every year, my child, Gabriel, accepted Christ as his Savior. It's amazing when you get a group of believers to go into war for your family. They are in the fire with you, and they are showing you that God is in the fire with you. Stone Creek has made me realize just how fun it can be to be a Christian. You know, loving others and it's following God and it's the most amazing journey that you'll ever go on in your entire life. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, Chinese, Mexican, like they're accepting, they're loving, and it's a Jesus-centered church. They provided a place for us as a family and hear the message and know not only that God was there for us, but that always Stone Creek would be there for us no matter what we needed. Stone Creek is not just church to me. They have given me back a joy that I had lost. Stone Creek has really, really good people being kind and loving, and they can take you from a place of darkness and show you the light. Stone Creek is making huge differences in people's lives.
It's great to be a part of something like that. I never get tired of stories of life change. It's always so good to hear stories of transformation for people who needed hope and needed help and someone stepped in to help them. But even beyond that, I love the story behind the story. You know, there's always somebody who helped out, somebody who was generous, somebody who stepped up, somebody who showed up, somebody who went beyond. And I love those stories. You know, we're hearing a lot of those stories in our culture today. You know, if you will read the paper, I was reading one on the news just yesterday about some auto mechanics who gave up their hydraulic lifts and traded them in for sewing machines so that they could sew masks together and ship them to nurses in hospitals who were low on supplies. You know, there was a story of teachers who got in a caravan. They traveled throughout the neighborhoods of their students so that they could see their students and their students could see them and they could drop off supplies and they could just, you know, give them hope about they'll see them again soon. There was, there was a story that down in Midtown about some people who came out on their balconies at eight o'clock to cheer on the healthcare workers and then there was even this epic story about this priest who was elderly and he gave up his respirator because he had the COVID-19 virus and he gave it to another 20-something man who had the COVID virus so that he could have his health restored. And I love stories behind the story. And today it is our turn. I am so expectant of all that God's going to do as we step into beyond. You know, as many of you may know that we've been in this story of beyond this looking and reading out of the book of Joshua in the Bible and the book of Joshua chronicles the, the journey of the nation of Israel out of the wilderness into the promised land, the land that God had promised them, the land that God had prepared for them. And, and we've looked at many different aspects of this story. And one of the things we know is that this is a metaphor for life. It's a metaphor of the Bible that God wants to move people out of slavery into freedom, move out of slavery physically, but also move them out of slavery to anything that would hold them back, anxiety or fear or depression. God wants to move us out of, sla out of slavery into freedom. And what we haven't done and what I want us to do today is to really look at the person of Joshua. You know, Joshua was the person that God handpicked to deliver his people out of the wilderness into the promised land. You know, and what would cause God to look at Joshua and say, you're the one? Like, why would God, what character quality did Joshua have? What personality characteristic, what, what behavior did Joshua have that he would look and pick Joshua? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to you in a sentence, so get ready to write it down. And it's, and it's a quality that we can all adopt. It's a quality that can help us live every day with purpose. It can help us wake up tomorrow with confidence. It can help ease our anxiety about today or even about the future. And, he, and here's what Joshua had. Man, Joshua, Joshua didn't decide to just do good things. Joshua determined to do God things. Hey, don't miss it. Like Joshua, Joshua didn't decide to just do good things. Joshua was determined to do God things. Now, now, now good things are important. I, th I, think, we'd, I think we'd all agree. We, we all need to be focused on doing good things. But the problem with good things is good things can only go as far as I can because when I get tired, I'll quit. When I run out of resources, I'll worry. Man, when I, when I run into an obstacle, I'll wilt. And, and good things should lead to God things and become great things. Somebody should put that on Instagram right now. Good things should lead to God things that become great things. 
And when we determine to do God things, we'll dream more than we ever thought was reasonable. We'll accomplish more than we ever thought was possible. And we will advance now for generations to come. You know, we're going to take a, I'm going to take a minute today just to teach through one of those epic stories in the book of Joshua that I think highlights this characteristic of his determination to do God things. So if you would, like wherever you are, just grab your Bible. Maybe it's on your phone, your iPad, your computer. I'm going to grab mine here and let's turn to Joshua chapter 10. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 10. Listen, when we look back on this time, we don't want to just look back and think that we hunkered down and that we just stored up some stuff and that we just got through it. We want to know that we went beyond COVID-19, that we went beyond the stock market, that we went beyond the stimulus bill and we changed the world. And I believe that if we'll step into the beyond the way Joshua did, we'll see this happen. You know, in Joshua chapter 10, what Joshua is facing is a battle. As you know, sometimes when you go into the promised land, it requires work and it requires war. And Joshua is in a battle and his enemies are on the run, actually. But he's got a problem. And the problem is that the sun is starting to go down and the day is going to be over. And Joshua doesn't have any night vision goggles. And Joshua doesn't have an infrared camera. Joshua doesn't know what to do. But he knows this. If he doesn't eradicate and completely remove the enemy from his land, they're going to come back and it's going to be a problem. It's a little bit like in-laws, isn't it? And so Joshua knows that he has got to do whatever he can to get rid of the enemy. And watch what Joshua prays in Joshua chapter 10. Let's look in verse 12. It says that Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And Joshua said in the sight of all of Israel, sun stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. Now listen, don't miss this. He's asking the sun to stand still. He's asking for time to stop. He's asking for daylight to be extended so that he can continue to fight. And watch how God answers him. It says the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. God answered his prayer to extend the day and for the sun to stand still and for the day to stop for Joshua. Now, now here's the thing. Joshua could have stopped. He was winning the battle. Joshua could have just said, hey, let's just, let's just press pause for a minute. And that would have been a good thing. But Joshua wasn't going to settle for a good thing. Joshua was determined to do a God thing. And Joshua was in the middle of a battle. And here's what I know. You're in the middle of a battle. How, how do I know that? Because I'm facing a great battle. My wife is facing a great battle. My kids are facing great battles. People I know, my friends are facing great battles. You know, I don't know, maybe for you, you're on the front lines in the healthcare battle. Maybe you're a nurse or a doctor or orderly or something else where you work in healthcare and you're facing this battle of COVID-19. You know, maybe some of you are like me who has a, a close relative in the healthcare industry. You know, I've got a son who's a nurse and just found out yesterday that he was exposed to COVID-19 and has been tested and we're waiting for the test to come back. You know, maybe your great battle is financial right now, or maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's fear of the future. Maybe it's depression. You know, I, I don't know what your great battle is, but I know that you're facing a great battle. And I know this, that God wants to do a God thing, even in the middle of your great battle. H how do you respond when the sun is going down? Do you stop going or do you speak to God like Joshua? And Joshua spoke to God and he prayed this prayer because he knew that he needed God to come through. 
Joshua asked God to do a God thing. You know, there, there, there's a saying that a friend told me once. He says, you know, you can judge a person's faith by how they pray. Just listen to what someone prays for and you'll know a lot about what they believe about God. And I just want to point out a couple of things about Joshua's prayer that can help us to pray and to see God do God things. Man, the first thing I think is obvious. This was big, right? Joshua prayed this big, bold, brave, audacious prayer, something that nobody had a category for. It was imaginative too. Nobody would have even thought to ask the sun to stand still like, does God actually do that? Hadn't been recorded in history yet. But notice this, he prayed big, but Joshua technically also prayed wrong. Scientifically, we all know that it's not the sun that goes around the earth. It's the earth that rotates and revolves around the sun. That's how days happen. It's not vice versa. So when he prays for the sun to stand still, he actually prays wrong. But I think here's what we learn: God's not insulted by big prayers and he's not insulted by wrong prayers. We worry so much about praying the wrong thing. Have you ever prayed something and said, well, God, if it's your will, God, if you want to do that, God, if you can come through and we don't really believe that God will do a God thing in that, God doesn't care if we pray wrong, but let me tell you what is insulting to God. It's a faithless prayer. It's a prayer that says, God, I I don't know if you can do this. God, I doubt that you're good. God, I don't really believe that you love me. Man, God doesn't want us to pray like that. God wants us to lean in with boldness, with bravery to do a God thing. And to see God do a God thing requires God, doesn't it? It requires some adversity. Many times we think when we face adversity that God must not be in that. There's this saying, and maybe you've heard it. It's it's this Christian cliche that goes around and, and people will say this, like if God closes a door, he'll open a window. And, and maybe that's true. I totally understand that. But you know what? If God closes a door, it may be that God wants you to kick that door down and knock it off its hinges, which laying on the ground and walk over that door into the promised land. You know, to see a God thing requires God to do something. And when things, when we face difficulties and we face adversity, we can't think that God's not in that. Man, man, Joshua knew that just because things were getting difficult and just because he was facing a battle, he knew he didn't need to stop. He knew he didn't need to press pause. He knew he didn't need to stop at a good thing, that he didn't press on into a, into a God thing. He knew darkness was coming. And sometimes we think following God should be easy. You know, David and Goliath doesn't happen without Goliath. Daniel in the lion's den doesn't happen without the lion's den. Moses part in the Red Sea doesn't happen without the Red Sea. And Joshua, Joshua wasn't going to let the number of hours in a day stop his complete victory. Like, I don't know where you are in your battle today, but maybe you've stopped believing God for something that's good. What is it that you've stopped believing? Like, what is it that you stopped praying for? What is it that you've just kind of resigned yourself that this is the way it's always going to be? It's always going to happen to you. Listen, the story of Joshua tells us that God wants to do a God thing in your life. You know, for many of you, over the last couple of months, you've been praying and you have been processing about what you would give to beyond. As we just think about giving to beyond and just about being the the type of people who live beyond lives. And as these circumstances have unfolded in the last couple of weeks, you're glued to the news and which changes hourly or by minute even. And it's caused you to reconsider and refocus. And I wonder, I just wonder if maybe, just maybe, You need to ask God to let the sun stand still and you're beyond commitment that you don't need to step back. You need to step up. You don't need to, you don't need to hold your ground. You need to take new ground. 
And this is the, this is the promise we have from God. Now, now watch, watch how God answers that prayer. We know that the, the sun stood still and the moon stopped. And it goes on to, the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemy. Man, I love how God has answered this prayer. Man, I love how God answers Joshua prayer at the end of verse 13. This is, this is how it reads. It says, the sun stopped in the middle of heaven and it did not hurry to set about for a whole day. So what God did was God multiplied a whole day. He had his first whole day and then God gave him another whole day. God doubled the days for Joshua. And I think the symbolism shouldn't be lost on us that as you know and beyond what we are praying for and believing for and giving for is that God would double our giving over two years. That in, one year, in two years, we would give about a little over $5 million. And so we're asking that God would provide and help us to give $10 million or double. And what this just shows us is that there's nothing impossible with God. And listen, the church is the way that God does God things. God has organized and implemented the church to accomplish God things. You know, if you, maybe you haven't been to our physical building ever. And if you were to walk in here and ask someone what kind of church we are, they would tell you we're a Jesus church. And you would see these big letters up in our lobby that say, elevate the name of Jesus. You would meet leaders who are leading people to follow Jesus. You would meet kids who talk about what it means to follow Jesus. That's, that's what we're about. And Jesus being the founder of the church and the church being the hope of the world gave us what's called the Great Commission. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And I am with you always to the end of the age is how he ends the Great Commission the end of the age. It never stops. You have to keep going. You can't stand down. You have to move forward. This is the commission that we have. This is why beyond is so important. There are so many stories yet to be rewritten stories of girls who will be released from human trafficking in ages, stories of churches in Belgium that will get started and bring light back into a dark country, man, churches that will reach a generation that, they, that feels like the church has given up on them. Leaders, young leaders who will be equipped to go into all the world to start churches and to pastor your kids and to lead worship for your grandchildren. This is what beyond is about. Listen, Stone Creek has always been about doing God things. We've always been about doing God things. You know, as we look at the life of Joshua, I think there's this one statement that he makes towards the end of his life that really characterizes his drive and his motivation and why he does what he does and how he was able to see God things accomplished. Over later on in the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 24, which is really at the end of his life and he's given some parting words to the nation of Israel, Joshua says these things. He tells, he tells the people, <clears throat> he says, choose this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Like, look what God did with one man who was determined to do God things. Listen, what could God do with one man? Listen to the sound of my voice traveling in his car, sitting in his den. Maybe you're in the family room or in the kitchen. What could God do with one man that showed up to work every day, determined to do God things, to treat people with honor and respect, to help him reach out and meet needs of people who worked around him, who became a beacon of light and hope in the place where he worked? Like what could God do with one husband who went home every single night from work, determined to lead his family to follow Jesus? 
Like what could God do with one woman who, who felt like maybe she was just a mom, but realized that she was raising little Joshua's to go out and change the world? What could God do with one student who went to school praying every day that God would give him an opportunity to share the gospel with some of his friends? Like what could God do with one child, the faith of one child who was sold out and determined to do God things? And what could God do with one church who stepped beyond in a time when people may have thought they should push pause, at a time when people thought maybe they should have waited and pressed forward for a world that was desperate for the hope. Listen, our circumstances tell us now is the time. Our circumstances tell us this vision is right. Man, just look around and it's going to require all of us. That's why we believe it's going to take 100% participation. You know, some people can give a three-figure gift over two years. Some people can give a six or a seven-figure gift over two years. And it's going to require all of us to be able to move the ball down the field. Listen, Stone Creek, we've always been a church that wanted to do God things. From the time when we started in the community center back in 2000, and when we spent all the money except for one month's salary to buy equipment because we were just believing God was going to do something amazing. From launching our camp to our leadership development program to the compassion kids that are all around the world that we're reaching to the time when we put up a, a bat, we put up a, a pool in our auditorium and baptized over 120 people in one day. And listen, there have been people that have poured their lives out here for 20 years. Some of you 20 years, some of you 15, some of you for two years, maybe for a couple of months. And listen, we are not done. We are not done. God is calling us to step into beyond so that other lives can be changed and so that we can bring light into the dark world. God wants us to do a God thing. Listen, you can be the story behind the story. This is the moment that we'll look back on and tell stories about. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get into the future and when the coronavirus comes up and people ask us what we did and how we responded, I don't want to be telling stories about stockpiling toilet paper and hand sanitizer. Man, I want to be telling stories about how we stepped in faith and believed that God would do a God thing. I want to be telling stories about lives that were changed. I want to be telling stories about marriages that were restored. I want to be telling stories about people who raised their hand in our services to begin to follow Jesus. And I want to be telling stories that will echo throughout eternity. This is our time. This is our moment. This is our opportunity to go beyond. You know, this last week, our staff had this opportunity to go ahead and commit for the next two years. And we committed early. And I can't begin to tell you how proud I am of our team and all that we've accomplished in the last two weeks. When, when, when our world's got turned upside down, our world's got turned upside down and how our staff team has stepped up and how they stepped up to commit financially to this beyond journey. You know, and as we committed, what we did was we took pictures of ourselves and and our celebration stories as we committed for two years. And so what I want to do now is I just want to show a video just of us celebrating as families, uh, as we committed. Then I want to come back and I want us to have a holy moment where we enter into a time of commitment. Let's take a look at this video. All right, here we go. You feel good about our number? Yeah. All right, let's do it on the count of three. One, two, three.
Hey, Stone Creek, so now it's our time. So grab your family, your kids, your dogs, your computer, your phone, whatever <laughs> device you want. Yeah. And let's walk through it with Stephen. He's going to show us how to do our commitment. Yeah. If we, uh, you know, if we were in the building together, we would have all gotten a paper commitment card and we'd have filled it out. And you, hopefully you've been looking at it over the course of the last few weeks. And then we'd have had a moment in our service where we brought it to the front together. And so this is, this is a holy moment. It's a time for us to walk through this together. And so we have created a virtual commitment card online. And so you're going to see the link for it coming up now in your comments section. You can also go to the website beyondstonecreek.church and you'll find the commitment card there. And then we can just walk through it together. Um, as you come to the landing page, you're going to see that it says virtual commitment card. Let's go beyond. And then you're going to press that yellow button. It's going to give you a little information about why we're doing this due to COVID-19. And, uh, and it is a secure, confidential commitment card. Um, if you just press continue to keep walking through it, you're going to have an opportunity, obviously, to enter your name. Um, also, you'll notice on the website, if you have kids or if you have students, they have their own commitment card that will fit their stage of life. And we believe in them as the now generation, and we want them to be a part. So you're going to do that with them as well. And so enter the, you know, your name. If you're married, you can put your spouse's name in there as well. And so I'm going to do that for us. Um, and then as you go to the next, you'll notice that your phone number, and that's just in case we need to get in touch with you with anything, especially with these crazy times, we want to be sure that we can stay in touch with you. And so you just enter in your phone number right there, and then you can walk through and then your email address. So you just want to do that so that you will get a confirmation of your uh, commitment card. And then you'll, and then um, this next one, you're going to see the two-year giving chart. There's nothing for you to enter there other than just to look at it so that it can help you process where you are. Opportunity for you to understand what it looks like on a weekly basis to give over this two-year uh, giving time. As you know, we're giving for two years. This is a two-year initiative. And then once you've had a chance to look at that, um, you can hit continue. And you can notice that there's a, there's a mock-up of the commitment card that we have. In the, in the top blank, you would see that it's just, what would you give in a normal year to everything that we give? That's hope offering, that's regular giving. Um, then you would notice, then you would enter in like what you plan to give above and beyond what you already give. What do you, what do you plan to give as part of the expanded vision? And then you would clearly add that together and then you multiply it times two and that gives you a two-year commitment. And then you may have some other uh, stored resources that you want to give, whether it's stocks, real estate, whatever it might be. And then you'll come up with one number. And that's the one number that you're going to enter in on the next screen. So as you click through the next screen, um, that's your two-year commitment. Now, this two-year commitment is going to start on April the 19th. And so you need to be aware of that as well. And so just enter in that two-year commitment card. And then one commitment. And then when you do that, you press OK. And you'll get a little note from me saying thank you. And, um, and, then, and then you can hit Submit. So that your uh, so that your two-year commitment can be submitted along with all the other hundreds of us who are who are going to commit to beyond. Now I, I don't want to be tone deaf. I do want to mention that it's clear that we're in a unique time in our life of our church and the life of our country, and that for some people you're in a precarious position financially. And I know that right now for you to commit may feel a little bit like something you don't you're not ready to do. And certainly we understand that. And you are, we are one church, and it's going to take all of us, and that's why we need 100% participation. So I would just encourage you to step into the fear, and if there's something you can't commit, do that. But if not, man, you shouldn't feel guilty at all, and you can commit at a later time. And so just feel confident in that. Um, for others of us, we need to step into it today, even in times of adversity, because 
this is our moment. This is our time. So what I'd like to do is I'm going to pray for us and you'll have time to complete your card. And then as Patrick's going to sing over us and then Patrick's going to kick it to Joey to close out our services. So, so let, let's pray. To, let's pray together. God, we're just grateful that we have this time to be able to commit, and God, that you would, even in the midst of this crazy time, we would just step into it, Lord, knowing that it's going to have impact beyond our lives. It's going to have impact in lives we may never know. It's going to transform communities. It's going to start churches. It's going to rescue people. And so, God, we just believe that today, and we just ask you uh, for the sun to stand still, mm -hmm. and God, that you would double everything, you'd multiply every gift, and meet every need. And God, I pray for those who, um, who are just taking the step of faith. And that today would be a day that they remember for the rest of their lives because of this step of, of faith to, to do a God thing today and not just a good thing. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so now's our time. Now it's time to do a God thing.